0: You're listening to the Slow Brew Sunday Podcast, the show that encourages you to take things slow, one cup at a time. I'm your host, Jules Acree, and I'm here to help you ease into your week with your Sunday cup of encouragement, intentional shifts, and mindful productivity tips. So grab your favorite mug, take a deep breath, and let's slow brew together. Hello, friends. Welcome back. I'm just going to jump right in. This is a very special episode because I'm having my mom, my Oma, come on and chat with you all. This episode is all about identity. This is something that I've been really wanting to dive into. And to be honest, I never thought my mom would even entertain the idea of coming onto this podcast with me. So the fact that she did and did something so out of her comfort zone really means the world to me. And I'm really excited for you to hear our candid conversation about reclaiming our Korean roots together, going through this journey of identity and the things we struggled with, as well as the things that we celebrate and are so proud of. This episode does get emotional and is pretty vulnerable at times as we discuss some difficult topics as well as my incredible grandfather's journey from north korea to south korea as an 11 year old kid it's an incredible story and i'm so honored to be able to share that with you in this space i recently celebrated my birthday shout out to my fellow libras i'm happily 32 years young and i feel more at home with myself and my identity than i ever have it's true from my experience at least that Confidence really does come with age and the things I used to get hung up on or that would cause me stress or uncertainty really just don't hold as much weight anymore. From small things like running late or getting cut off in traffic to deeper things like feeling misunderstood or wanting to fit in, I have found so much more peace with things I can't control and just more confidence in who I am. And also being okay with not everyone understanding me or even liking me. This realization that I don't need to be understood or liked by everyone to live my best life, it's actually freaking liberating. Now the latter is something I've been working on in therapy for some time, but I really feel the shift from within. I just feel so much lighter. And when I reflect on where I was a couple years ago to where I am now, It's a world of difference. So fitting in, identity, I really struggled with all of these things growing up, especially from middle school into high school. I didn't feel like I fit in. I struggled with my identity of being half Korean in a mostly white town. And for so long, I pushed away my roots, my heritage. I just wanted to fit in even if it meant disregarding 51% of my ancestry. But when I was 13 years old, I finally had the chance to visit Seoul, South Korea, to see my family. And I went to school with my cousin for the day. I rode on the bus, sat through her classes, ate chop at the cafeteria. And I even remember taking a pop quiz that apparently I scored quite poorly on. But <laughs> I just remember feeling Beautiful, feeling connected, and just this comforting sense of belonging in Korea that I didn't feel back home. I came back from my trip with a newfound love and appreciation for this side of me. I found a love for K pop. I was obsessed with Rain, Boa, and I remember thinking, wow. I would really love to live here someday. But after some time, the excitement from that trip fizzled out and I went back to my normal life. I didn't really have anyone outside of my family to talk to about what that trip meant to me and the special experience that I had. So today we are talking about identity. And since I just got back from my second trip to Seoul this year, I first visited in April with my husband and then I went back in September to treat my mom to a special mother-daughter trip. And it was her first time being back since we last went in 2005. So without further ado, meet my Oma. Don't make me cry though. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Oma. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. (laughs) How are you feeling? Are you still jet lagged? A little bit. Just, I slept till eight
1: o'clock today. (laughs) It's late for me. I was having a hard time going to bed on time, which is 10. So I went to bed at midnight. I just stayed up watching K K-drama. What (laughs) what what K-drama are you watching right now? Um, I don't really like it. It's called Dinner Mate or something like that. Dinner Mate is an older one? I think so. How
0: was it being back in Korea after all these years? Because I think the last time you were there was in
1: 2005. Right, 18 years ago, about 18 years ago. That's a long time ago. Yeah. I mean, I can't believe how much it's changed. I mean, it was still a very modern city and all that, but it was uh, much more like next level on everything, like the cafes, the uh, the food.
0: I know that you had, there were some differences with the food because you were like, wow, like this isn't what I'm used to um, eating.
1: <laughs> yeah, to me, traditional food is like bulgogi and with all the panchan. And after talking to my cousin, you know, they were trying to cut back on food waste which, is, which I understand now, because a lot of times you get all this on and you can't you know, eat it all. half of it, you know, yeah, you can't eat it all. It's just too much. I did kind of miss having the variety. I think something that we both really appreciate and love about going to Korea
0: is that the attention to detail Feels so unmatched, like Mm. compared to back home, the detail that they put from the ambiance of the cafes to the little pastries and the the croissants and the decorations on top. Like everything looks
1: so cute. Mm. Back in 2005, was aesthetics such a thing? No, it wasn't. And, you know, I just know, just even walking into a coffee shop, you know, it's just very contemporary, very minimalist. I love that. Yeah. And that's something I know you like. But then also we really enjoyed being in the Hanok Bukchan village, like more of the traditional Korean style houses. It's kind of sprinkled throughout the the city, you know, they don't tear it down. They just, um, it just brought back memories for me because my grandmother had one of those houses um, with the big double uh, wooden doors. I appreciate it a lot more now than I did when I was as a kid. You brought up your Hanmuni a lot.
0: We would pass by different, different Hanak-style houses, mm. and you're like, oh, I, my grandma used to live in a place like this. Yeah. And It seemed like you had such a great time there. Did you ever want think about what life would be
1: like if you just stayed? Yeah, I mean, I didn't think about wanting to live. I mean, we lived in Korea for two years, but as a kid, I didn't really care. But when, when I went back in 1977, as a 17-year-old, almost a, a senior in high school, I wanted to, but, you know, because of the language barrier, I ended up just going back to the States. It's
0: interesting because you actually can understand quite a lot of Korean. And it was really cool for me to see you in your element. You being able to talk to people and understand what they were saying to you, even if you were responding back in English, I thought that was really
1: cool. Because my parents spoke to me in Korean. I guess I I understand it a lot more than I can actually speak it. Because I don't practice the speaking part. So my pronunciation is not always correct. And I always forget the formal part when I'm talking to someone older than me.
0: So I want to bring this back to identity. Because this is kind of the theme of today's topic. I struggled a lot with finding where I fit in growing up. Being half white. My dad's side is Irish-German. And then being half Korean. I look more Asian than not. And so that was something that was very evident to me as I was going through school, you know, getting teased and things that people would say that were hurtful. But I was still internally proud of who I was, but it made it hard for me to actually like connect to my culture because I kept trying to push it away. Did you connect with being Korean growing up?
1: I did go through that as a kid where people would make fun of me, of my race and, you know, make Noises and sounds and call me names, but you know, I just I didn't want you to have to go through that. I guess in a way, maybe my mind was telling me, oh, you need to be more American. And I gave you full American names, and even though I did still was proud of my heritage because I had even had my dad name you know give you a Korean name, and I kept some of those traditions.
0: To what? Tell them my Korean name. <laughs> it's Miyoung. Yeah, I love my Korean name, mm-hmm. and I feel super attached to it, and I've mm-hmm. always. Um, loved that name Mm -hmm. and when we were growing up you know everyone was called by their korean name but i sometimes felt like left out because i was the only one that didn't have it legally as their middle name right i named
1: you after your you know on your dad's side um grandmother which who is a wonderful grandmother Mm -hmm. grandma rose yes and and jason also had a korean name so i you know i made sure and kept that tradition and had my dad you know name both of you But um, even my name, um, my last name is Kim, but my middle name is me, which is named after my mom, Dami. I don't know why, but I never liked my name, my middle name. So even when I got married, I changed it. So Kim is my middle name now. Yeah. But now I kind of regret that, you know, I wish I would have kept it.
0: Hanmini is Dami, and you are your middle name with me, and my Korean name is Miyong. Is that a tradition that you'd like to see carried on
1: to your next generation? Oh, sure, sure. I mean, you know, even my, my sister's name, her, her middle name is Mi. I think,
0: so. I love Mi, M-E-E. Yeah. Well, it definitely has meaning to it because you experienced racism, microaggressions growing up, you didn't want me to experience a similar thing. So you think that's essentially why you kind of distance yourself from it. And then living in Kentucky away from your family made it a little bit easier to continue to distance yourself from your Korean culture.
1: Yes, yes, you can say that. But I mean, I never was embarrassed of my culture. I always try to keep that by cooking Korean food which is my favorite uh, food. Right. And you and Jason both love and always ask for Korean food. I don't believe
0: in regrets, but if you could go back, what are some things that you would have wanted to do a little differently to instill more of our culture in our childhood and growing up
1: for sure your name i would include you to have a korean name legally you know we did go through some of the korean traditions with my parents because of my parents we did we were able to you know have your 100th day birthday and then your first birthday of course was a big birthday
0: now i want to segue to hanmei and harbaji because i feel like they were such uh, obviously, important people in both of our lives, and those are your parents. So, Hanmini means grandma, and Harabaji means grandpa. But it is my mom's Oma and Appa, my grandparents, your parents. They passed away in 2019. In 2019, they passed within 36 hours of each other, which is actually crazy to me that they literally pretty much left this world together. And I think that is what did Uncle Cholce say that. That that doesn't happen, and that means that they were fated to be together.
1: Right. The father at their church said he's never, ever experienced that, you know, having to do a funeral for two people at one time.
0: You and I going on this journey together and having so many similar interests now is really one of my favorite things about our relationship today. (laughs) (laughs) After they had passed, we both started watching more Korean dramas and listening to more Korean artists, musicians, and really diving into
1: that side of things. And I think it was... Yeah, sometimes I wonder, why should I wait till I'm 60 years old to start watching K-drama? You watched them growing up, but they were... Well, I did watch them with my mom, and they were more like a soap opera type. The K-dramas are even... Much better now.
0: I think the the budgeting behind K dramas now are like insane. I know
1: it's it's really insane.
0: For anyone that hasn't seen a K drama, K drama does not mean soap opera. It doesn't mean that it's this like dramatic. Like there's obviously drama shows. There's fantasy. There's sci-fi. There's thrillers. Yeah, there's
1: so many genres and I'm like, where I missed it all. You know, I could have been watching.
0: Well. Better late than never because yeah. you've probably caught up. Yeah, <laughs> the amount of K dramas that you've seen over, over the years, you've definitely caught
1: up. <laughs> I definitely binge.
0: Yeah, so I think, like, because of their passing, it had us more interested in trying to connect, find ways to connect mm-hmm. to um, our culture. And through watching media and following, you know, the Korean times and um, planning a trip there, it felt I don't know. It kind of felt like a reclaiming of our roots. Yeah. And I love that we have been doing that together. Mm -hmm. You know, like growing up, I didn't have anybody besides my family and like my cousins and my uncles. I didn't have any friends in Kentucky that Mm -hmm. were Korean (laughs) that I could even like bond with over these things. So even coming back from my trip when I was 13, that kind of all that excitement just Mm -hmm. kind of fizzled out because there was nobody
1: to talk to. But I could say the same thing back in 77 when I went to Korea but when I went as a teen and stayed in in uh, Korea for three months during the summer with my grandmother, when I came back, I mean, I had nobody to talk to about my trip, even though I was so excited about it and into Korean culture and all that stuff. And it
0: made an impact on you, yeah. but then it kind of but fizzled, they fizzled out. out, right? Yeah, that's interesting, and that's. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, that's why I think that's why I desire so much to live in Korea for whether it's a year, six months, just to be able to live there for more than a two-week vacation mm-hmm. would be really impactful. Mostly because I feel like it's my duty to learn my native language because Korea and my grandparents, my family, you all mean so much to me. And to be able to learn Korean or at least speak it on a conversational level, I f- would feel very disappointed in myself if I didn't try and I've been trying. It's just really freaking yeah, and hard. I'm so proud of you because of that. You know, it's- I just wish I could have <laughs> talked to my grandparents about it more. But now I have you to talk yeah. to and I think that that's all I need. You know, I don't maybe I don't live uh surrounded by lots of other Korean people to be able to talk on a daily basis and practice. But my cousin Christina is pretty good at, you know, like, she calls me and I'm like, Yo yeah. <laughs> and she tries to talk to me in Korean and Uh, We're trying to practice, but it'd be nice if we lived closer to each other. Mm -hmm. For people who don't know, which is mostly everybody, people don't know, but we have a really interesting family history with Hadabuji being from North Korea and escaping to South Korea when he was 11 years old with his sister, who was 14 years old at the time. So imagine like 11 and 14 year old literally escaping and crossing the border by themselves like I just can't even like wrap my mind around that journey yeah
1: like what's going on right now with our border you know there's people there's parents sending young kids across the border and Jeff goes I can't imagine sending my own kid my own kids across the border like that by themselves and then I said Jeff my my dad and sister and aunt did the same thing their parents sent them across the border by themselves. Because you reach a point right. where you're like, and this is like, the only right. option. And he's, he was like, oh my gosh, that's right. You know, it's so... A,
0: when I see 11-year-olds now, mm-hmm. I, like when I see younger people, people that are like their age, mm-hmm. I try to imagine like how, how did they do that? Yeah. So, and, and they made
1: three attempts too. Well, let's not... Let's it, go back and yeah.
0: from, from your perspective or from what you've been told, I know the story, but I would love if you kind of shared... Um, an abridged version of Haribo-ji, uh crossing to South Korea.
1: Yeah, I think um, well, my dad told me, and if I can remember, it's been a while, but he did. They did make three attempts. Yeah, I didn't know that. And he and um, you know, parents gave him a pocket full of money and clothing and food, and gave him directions on which way to go. And I think they tried to go through land, and eventually. I, he just said they were failed attempts. So the third time they went around the coast where the water was. And so I think it was maybe they couldn't get through because of the, there was too many North Koreans protecting the border. So.
0: But on the third attempt, when was his, when was
1: Komohan captured, his sister? That one I don't remember. I just remember him saying that they took her they were a little suspicious and they took her to this house huh. he heard he didn't know where they took her and um he asked around and and they said there's this house that they take people who they suspect might be trying to escape to South Korea and so he went to the house and he kept he kept shouting he kept shouting nuna nuna you know who- that breaks my heart when my dad was telling me this story which means sister sister you know he was yelling for her and she heard him through the window and she went ran to the window and said I'm here I'm here so that's Uh when um my dad just waited around for a few days just hanging around waiting for her to be released and she was finally released
0: I just want to take a moment to say thank you to everyone who is tuning into this episode and for allowing us to have space to be vulnerable and share a bit of our history. And, and I also wanted to encourage you to talk to your family members about stories and record them if you can, because this is a story that every time it's told, I learn new information that I didn't know before. Even though my Hadabaji had told us there's always a language barrier, and so my cousin Alex actually has a very special recording of him interviewing our grandfather. It's a 27-minute long interview that I won't share in this episode, but I'm so grateful that we have this documented and in our family. So... I just want to encourage you all to talk to your family and preserve these stories that have shaped your family and where you come from and where you are today so harabuji eventually along the way he met Muni when he was in his 20s maybe I'm or, not sure. yeah he met Muni at some point fell in love and then together they left their lives in south korea and went to the united states yes my dad went first to attend
1: University of Texas, so he went to UT. Right, and then he went back to Korea and met Han No, no, he stayed. He stayed in the states, and then he asked my mom to come, and then she was, joined him. Yeah, she went to. Um, she was at a women's university, Ewha. Ewha, in, we passed by that yeah, in um, Korea, and then he convinced her to move to the states and go to UT also. People are like, oh, what what brought you to Texas? Like, why are you in
0: Texas? <laughs> it's not that I have like this like strong desire to be in the state of Texas. I love Austin as a city. When I imagined my life as an adult, I imagined being close to family. And all I really wanted, my 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 happiest memories as a child was being with my cousins. So people don't know this. My mom has four brothers and one sister. So my grandparents had six children. They literally had nothing started from scratch. And then they put six kids through college, which I don't even understand how that happened. That's amazing. And most of you into UT. So UT, the UT university of Texas, the UT pride is very strong within the Kim family. My mom went to UT. Actually, my brother was born in Houston and I was born in Kentucky, which is where my dad is from. But I had always known how much you all loved UT and like... The you know, Longhorns. The Longhorns yeah. and the football and all the things. Yeah. Like my my uncle's screaming at the TV yeah. <laughs> very uh, loudly. I wanted to be close to my family because some of my happiest memories as a kid was being with my cousins and I have 12 cousins. Is there 12 of us?
1: I don't know. I've lost count. Yeah.
0: Okay. So we have like... Over a dozen cousins. I'm really close to our side of the family. And I think that's just a testament to how incredible Hanmani and Harabuji were. And I just think family is so, so important. Just earlier this week, we got back from our trip to Seoul. And we went, we stayed in Seoul. We went to Jeju Island. We did a lot in our two weeks there. And for me, that was so special to be able to have this one-on-one time with you because you know, typically it's not one-on-one time. We always, you know, are with either dad or my brother, Jason. And I think like for me as a woman, I feel weird calling myself a woman because sometimes I really feel like I'm just like a girl, (laughs) but I'm 32 for me, like one-on-one time with you uninterrupted is something that I really, really was craving my whole life. And that was the one time I finally was able to do that. And I, had to like get you into another country to have like this
1: (laughs) uninterrupted time with you i know and my favorite part of the trip i can i can say now is i love our afternoon coffee break (laughs) with with the cake yeah i mean it was wonderful because there's so many cafes to choose from and you know being able to have coffee or um my favorite um fruit drink Oh, you used uh, the peach fruit, aid? Yeah, peach aid, grapefruit aid. I mean, I love them all. They they taste so good because it, it wasn't the syrupy type, you know. It very fresh. Yeah, it was very fresh with real fruit pieces in the drink. But anyways, uh, that was my favorite part was taking a coffee break every afternoon and having a dessert. Yeah, me too. Because we can't, we don't do that here. We can't do that here, you know, because we're... We have a different routine. and
0: Yeah. To give you all some context and why this mother-daughter trip meant so much to us is because it took a lot of planning and time for us to logistically figure out how my mom could could be gone for two weeks. I have a brother with special needs, and he requires 24-7 care. And for my mom to not be there with him is logistically... A jigsaw puzzle and so it took a lot of time for us to research and figure out what can we do so we can have this time and it was really special that we were able to make it happen and of course we called my brother twice a day we gave him virtual tours of korea and showed him and he's been to korea he, he came when he was 13 right. or no i was 13 he was 15 16 yeah anyways he's been there um and i hope that we can all be back there again together. But for me, it was really important to have this one-on-one time with you and to be able to just do things that you and I
1: have never really had the opportunity to do before. And And I, we were able to see so many things that we probably couldn't have if he was with us, um, because of all the walking and, uh, fighting through crowds. and And I know it's, it's
0: hard to, you know, maybe feel some guilt like that. He's not with us, but I really feel like my heart needed that. And so Jason, I think he would also wish the same for you. If he could like think of that, he, he would want the same mm. for, for you and I to have that experience together and explore our roots and see como harmony, see family and do all those things was just for me, like a, a very, a highlight of my life. And I hope that the trip was the highlight. Oh of yeah, my life. definitely. Definitely the uh, trip of a lifetime for me ma, thank you so much for coming on to my podcast. You're my first guest yeah. ever. I didn't even like plan on having guests on my podcast, but I just really felt like I wanted to have this conversation with you and to be able to, from my own memories, have a documentation, a <laughs> documentation of us having these chats. because mm-hmm. I think it's, um, it's really um, meaningful to me.
1: <laughs> I, it's a little bit out of my comfort zone, but it's the least I can do because you took me on this Wonderful trip to Korea, and I I want everybody to know what a wonderful time I had, and how it brought back memories that I didn't even think about when I'm in the states, you know. And then when walking through the Korean villages, just really brought back a lot of good memories.
0: Oh, okay? <laughs> ssireum. <laughs> All right, my friends, thank you for tuning in for yet another episode of Slow Brew Sunday. If you enjoyed listening, I'd so appreciate it if you could rate and review this podcast. Let me know what you're enjoying so far. And if you have ideas and things you'd like to listen to in future episodes, let me know. Make sure to subscribe to Slow Brew Sunday wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. And if you want to continue the conversation, connect with me on Instagram and YouTube at Jules Acree. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'll chat with you soon. Bye, friends.